to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're tuned in again to The God Solution Show. Welcome back. For all of you that heard the show last week for the first time, I'm thrilled that you're listening again this week. I hope you enjoyed last week's show. You can get all of our past shows at godsolutionshow.com. Again, that's godsolutionshow.com. There's a ton of other info there as well. You can see different links to different local churches. You can see some of the books that I suggest you read about apologetics. You can see a ton of other information there, more about myself and the ministry that I'm on staff with, more about the show. Anyway, go to godsolutionshow.com to check out more about the God Solution Show. And definitely, while you're there, check out our past shows, including last week's show. Well, I'm glad that you're tuned in again this week. For those of you that have been listening for a long time, this is going to be a bit of a review, and it's going to be good, though. For whoever is listening, this is going to be a great show, a really exciting show. In fact, I can hardly think of a show that I'm more excited to do. Sometimes when we approach apologetics, it just gets confusing. I remember growing up, and if you heard the show last week, I shared a little bit about how I developed an interest in apologetics, and To me, growing up, apologetics came kind of piecemeal here and there, ad hoc. There didn't seem to be a whole lot of structure to it. I would have a doubt about, say, the inerrancy of God's word. Well, I'd try to find some resources on that topic, and I would search, and I'd find an answer here and an answer there, and then I'd have a doubt on, say, evolution, and I'd try to find some resources, and I'd find some information, and then I would have a doubt on, say, the deity of Christ, and I'd find a resource and deal with that. So anyway, as I approached apologetics, there wasn't much of a structure to it. The result of that is that when I tried to defend my faith, remember, 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to be ready to give a defense, an apologia of our faith, and to do that in a gentle and respectful way. Well, when I tried to present that argument for my faith, that defense for my Christian faith, it took the same approach that it had come to me in. It was very ad hoc and here and there and this information and that information and this evidence and that evidence. It never came across in a structured and understandable way to the hearer. So several years ago, being on staff at Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado, working with college students, a lot of my students that I was discipling would say, I just had an argument with an atheist And I told them they need to talk to you because you have all the answers. I definitely don't have all the answers, but I do love talking about the evidence for faith in Jesus Christ. Anyway, time after time after time, other people would have these conversations with skeptics. And they would say, you need to go talk to my friend Nate. And never once did one of those atheists or skeptics make their way to talking with me. Makes sense. They didn't even know me. How are they going to track me down and talk with me? So about that time, I said, I really need to sit down and put a basic apologetical approach into a short and easy-to-remember acronym that our students can use so that when they get into a conversation, they don't have to say, go talk to Nate. They can just go straight to their training, to this acronym, and recite the evidence in a very structured way that comes across as compelling to the hearer. So I came up with what we call the BEST FACTS acronym. If you go to GodSolutionShow.com, you'll see a tab that says BEST FACTS. That BEST FACTS tab actually includes this acronym. 
It includes an MP3 where I go over the acronym, and it actually has a place where you can download little tracks that include the acronym in a way that you could share it with someone. So this is a really good approach, and I think it's going to be easy to remember. So as I say that, I want to give you another website to check out. You can go to godsolutionshow.com and check the Best Facts tab, or you can just go to thebestfacts.com. Either of those sites are going to give you the best facts, and I would encourage you to really memorize these acronyms so that you have a strong defense of the Christian faith. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit, and then we're going to get right into it. And like I said, this is one of my favorite things to discuss because I think it's compelling if you're a skeptic, and I think it is great for you to learn this if you're a Christian. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you've heard this before, and it's great to hear it again. If you've never listened to this show before, I can assure you this is the best, easiest-to-remember apologetical approach that you will ever find. It's that good. So remember, thebestfacts.com or godsolutionshow.com and the Best Facts tab. So we're going to talk about four different words that are each acronyms. And the first two are a negative apologetics approach. And what we mean by negative apologetics is they describe why we don't believe in religions other than Christianity. I'll keep that minimal because I want to focus the conversation on the evidence for Christ not the reasons for rejecting other worldviews. But we'll start with that briefly. Then the next two words are going to be acronyms for the evidence for faith in Christ. The first of the four words is tall, and it describes why we don't believe in religions other than Christianity. The second of those first two words, the second acronym is tails, tall tails. And tails represents why we don't believe in evolution, naturalism, or atheism. We say we can reject tall tales, and each of those words is an acronym describing why. Next, we go to the best facts. So the best acronym describes why we can believe confidently in God's existence, and then the facts acronym describes why we can be confident in our Christian faith. So tall tales, best facts. We reject the tall tales, and we believe the best facts. All right, let's get right into it. So tall, why do we reject religions other than Christianity? Well, I'll describe it quickly and then go back to each of the letters. TALL stands for theological incoherence, ambiguous truth claims, lack of evidence, and lack of power to change lives. So when we look at religions other than Christianity, we see theological incoherence. We see contradictions within the religions themselves. They don't make sense. They're not coherent. And I can say that for all the religious worldviews other than Christianity. They all have these incredible incoherences, and that's not good. Next, they make ambiguous truth claims. Salvation requires this, but it requires that. But these things are opposites. It's ambiguous what is really being said. So theological incoherence, ambiguous truth claims. Additionally, religions other than Christianity lack evidence. And this is significant. A lot of times the atheist says we reject religion because there's no evidence for God. Well, there is tremendous evidence for God. We'll get to that in a minute. But they are kind of onto something when it comes to most religion. See, most religion is based on a leap of faith into the dark, a blind leap of faith. When we look at Mormonism, for example, we see thing after thing after thing after thing after thing that is contradicted by the evidence. 
Whether it's DNA or linguistics or history or archaeology, we know that there weren't Hebrew-speaking Native Americans that descended from Israel here in the United States warring against each other. We know that's not correct. That's just an example of a religion that lacks evidence. When we come to Christianity, we actually see tremendous evidence, and that is something that we'll get into in a minute. But the reason we reject other religions, they're theologically incoherent, they have ambiguous truth claims, they lack evidence, and finally, they lack the power to change lives. I've heard it put this way. It's been said that there are only two religions. There's the religion that says you can do it by just trying harder, and there's the religion that says you can't do it no matter how hard you try and you need a savior. And that's Jesus. See, all world religions other than Christianity say you should just try harder. Try harder. Try harder. Well, if you've lived long at all, you've probably come to know that that doesn't work. And we really need a savior. And Jesus really is that savior. So why do I reject religions other than Christianity? Well, they're theologically incoherent. They make ambiguous truth claims, they lack evidence, and they lack power to change lives. That's the TALL acronym. Now, the TALES acronym for why we reject materialistic naturalism or atheism or evolution, naturalistic evolution. Well, T, the transitionary evidence is lacking. Whether you're looking at the fossil record or the genetic record, the transitionary evidence is lacking. Next, A, the apparatus for evolution is insufficient. See, the evolutionist would tell us that natural selection works on mutations over time to produce the change in biodiversity that we see around the planet. Unfortunately, natural selection always whittles down, and we don't see positive gene increasing or information increasing mutations. We see mostly negative mutations, and the very few positive mutations that we see actually delete things from the cell. They don't add new features. So the atheist or the evolutionist is left with a big problem. They don't have a mechanism for evolution. So the apparatus or the mechanism is insufficient. Next, life does not come from non-life. We all remember the famous experiments where we got some organic molecules from these supposed primordial conditions. Unfortunately, the statistics of those molecules aligning just to get a strand of DNA are many hundreds of times statistical impossibility or the university probability bound. So it just won't happen. We could get into that again. I've done shows on that at godsolutionshow.com under past shows. But today I just got to keep it simple. So why don't we believe in evolution? The transitionary evidence is lacking. The apparatus or mechanism is insufficient. Life doesn't come from non-life. That's L. E, the existence of information and design. Even if we gave them the transitionary evidence that's not there, even if we said their apparatus or mechanism was sufficient, even though it's not, even if we gave them life coming from non-life, even though it can't happen, they would still have to explain where the information that guides those processes came from. And there's no explanation for where that information and design could come from in a purely random naturalistic universe. Now, even if we gave them that, though, let's be very generous and give the atheist everything they ever wanted. Still, they have no explanation for the start of the universe from nothing a finite time ago. I was once talking with an atheist, and he said, you Christians don't have any evidence. I said, of course we do. I said, you atheists don't have any evidence. He goes, of course we do. The only thing we can't answer is that small issue of where everything came from. 
<laughs> I laughed. I said that small issue. Are you kidding me? That's the biggest issue of all of them. Where did the universe come from? Kind of a big issue. All right. So why don't I believe in evolution or materialistic naturalism? The transitionary evidence is lacking. The apparatus or mechanism is insufficient. Life doesn't come from non-life. The existence of information and design is inexplicable through naturalism. And the start of the universe from nothing a finite time ago is inexplicable through a naturalistic perspective. That's the TAILS acronym. So I can reject tall tales. Religions other than Christianity are theologically incoherent. They make ambiguous truth claims. They lack evidence and they lack power to change lives. Materialistic naturalism and evolution should be rejected because the transitionary evidence is lacking, the apparatus is insufficient, life doesn't come from non-life, the existence of information and design is inexplicable through naturalistic processes, and so is the start of the universe from nothing a finite time ago. That's the tall tales part of the acronym. I hope you'll memorize that so you know how to describe to others why you don't believe in worldviews other than Christianity. I would say, though, that you keep that part of the discussion minimal. In fact, maybe only 20% of your apologetical conversations should center on why you don't believe in other religions. What we need to get to next is why we do believe in God and why we do believe in the Christian God and in all that the Bible tells us. Those are the next two words in the BEST FACTS acronym, and they are the BEST FACTS acronym themselves. Before we get into that, I just want to let you know, if you're tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution, you can go to the godsolutionshow.com. Again, that's godsolutionshow.com to see a list of the stations that we're on and the cities that we're in and to find out more about the show. But anyway, I'm glad that you're listening. We're doing a basic apologetical introduction describing the tall tales and best facts acronyms for why we don't believe in religions and worldviews other than Christianity and why we do believe in all that the Bible tells us. I think this is a great approach. Again, you can go to godsolutionshow.com and click the best facts link, and that will take you to a site that describes this in a lot of detail. So you can memorize each of these acronyms. I think they will help you be very confident in your apologetical conversations. And if you're a skeptic, this evidence is compelling. And I've shared this with atheist after atheist with virtually no response. So I hope if you're a skeptic that you'd really think about these things. Now let's get into why we do believe in God and specifically in the Christian view of God and Christian theism and why do we believe in the Bible. We're going to start first with why believing in God is the best view of reality. And that's the BEST acronym. So B, the beginning of the universe, a finite time ago, out of nothing. This is compelling. It's traditionally been called the cosmological argument for God's existence. That argument goes kind of like this when argued by philosophers. It says anything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe had a cause. It's compelling. It's watertight. I have yet to hear a logical rebuttal of it. So the philosopher and the scientist alike have to admit that this whole universe was formed from nothing a finite time ago. And that requires a cause greater than the entire universe. We would all agree that anything greater than the entire universe would, by definition, be God. It's the greatest conceivable being that created everything else that we see. So the beginning of the universe from nothing a finite time ago is compelling evidence for the existence of God. 
And most intelligent people would admit that because to reject that, they basically have to reject the law of causality, which is not a good way to go. I think it's Sproul says when somebody starts to go down that road, just defer to them and let them make their own case against themselves. Okay, B, the beginning of the universe from nothing a finite time ago. E, in the best acronym, the engineering of this universe and this planet for life. This has long been called the teleological argument for God's existence, and it's extremely compelling. Not only do we have matter, not only do we have energy, not only do we have stars and planets, but we actually have such incredible design that we can realize and see quite clearly that everything was engineered precisely and perfectly so that we could live here on this planet. If any of these different features were off by any amount whatsoever, life wouldn't be possible here. And we know that life is possible here because this universe and this planet have been engineered for life. Additionally, we see that life itself has been engineered. It didn't just happen. There's such incredible design and information, such engineering in every cell that we realize that life, as well as the universe, as well as the planet, has been engineered. We see in this universe incredible design that points to a designer, and that's compelling evidence for the existence of God. Next, standards and morality. People might say, wait, standards and morality? Is that evidence for God? Of course it is. This has often been called the moral argument for God's existence, and it's very compelling. In fact, C.S. Lewis, who most of us are very familiar with, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and many other great Christian books. He came to faith in Christ because of the moral argument for God's existence. Of modern note would be Francis Collins, who led the Human Genome Project. He also came to faith in Jesus Christ because of the moral argument for God's existence. The moral argument goes kind of like this. William Lane Craig describes it this way. He says... If God does not exist, objective moral values do not exist. Objective moral values do exist, therefore God exists. Again, it's very compelling. Most atheists will try to say that there are no objective moral values. That gets them out of admitting that God must exist. But when they do that, they have to admit that there's nothing that's truly objectively right or wrong. Once in a debate with an atheist, I challenged him on this point and said, would it be wrong for me to stab you with a large, sharp knife? And he says, it would be unpleasant, but I could not say that it would be wrong. He had to admit, because of his atheistic perspective, that nothing is truly right or wrong. Well, if they have to go down that route to get out of the existence of God, they're betraying the depravity of their own worldview. We all know that Gratuitous evil is wrong. We all know that stabbing people with long, sharp knives is wrong. We know that. Yet the atheist, to get out of believing in God, has to say, nope, that's fine. So they've just proven your point, kind of. They've admitted that what we all know to be true isn't according to their worldview. Now, some atheists would say that objective moral values do exist. They'll say that they're byproducts of evolution. Well, even if they were, that would only say why we feel certain things are moral. There wouldn't be an objective moral value to those things. It wouldn't be objectively right or wrong to do good or bad. It would just be how we feel. And I think that that falls apart 
on its own as well. I don't think that they can show that evolution provided these moral instincts because it seems like from a natural selection perspective, immorality would be far better as far as preserving and propagating your genes. Either way, if you believe that certain things are really right and certain things are really wrong, you have to admit that there is a standard by which right and wrong is measured. And that standard has to be separate from us and separate from this world. It is a standard that stands on its own regardless of the observer, regardless of the agent, the moral agent. I believe, and I think most people believe, that there are objective moral rights and wrongs regardless of the circumstances. And that belief points directly to an objective moral law giver and sustainer and enforcer. There are many other good arguments for God's existence, but I'm going to have to forego those and keep it simple. The best acronym starts with the beginning of the universe, the engineering of the universe for life, the standards and morality that point to an objective moral law giver and enforcer, and then finally, T in the best acronym, the truth about Jesus. See, as Christians, we believe that Jesus was God in human flesh. And if that's the case, that's incredible evidence for the existence of God. Well, we can look at the historical account. We can see that Jesus performed miracles. We can see that he had power over life and death. We can see that he really did the things that only God can do. And he did those in human flesh here on this planet, substantiating his claim to be God in human flesh. That is compelling evidence for God. And it points to why we can believe in Jesus and why we can believe in Christianity as well. So that takes us to the FACTS acronym. Why do we believe in Christianity? Why do we believe in the Bible? Well, F, it foretells the future. There's prophecy throughout God's word. And this is incredible. We see hundreds and hundreds of prophecies accurately fulfilled. And this is not accidental. Nobody can just shrug this off. I've pointed this out to atheists and they just shrug it off. They say it's like Nostradamus or something like that. Well, that's crazy. The accuracy, the detail that we see in biblical prophecy is unparalleled anywhere in the world. And it really does show God's fingerprints on his word. If we look just at messianic prophecies about Jesus, there are over 100 that are very clear and a couple hundred more that are a little bit vague. But even if you just took those hundred, there's no way in the world that we could have such prophetic accuracy without God's foreknowledge inspiring his word. A, the Bible is archaeologically accurate. We look at the historical accounts in the Bible and we look at archaeology in the records match. C, the Bible is contradiction free. And this is big. I hear all the time, oh, we can't believe in the Bible because of all the contradictions. Well, unfortunately for the skeptic, those contradictions don't stand up to scrutiny. Many of them seem to be true contradictions at face value. That often occurs because we are looking at the text from our modern American perspective, not reading it the way it was written and designed to be read. That is one of the first principles of hermeneutics or of studying the Bible is that we need to look at it as it was intended to be read, not through our modern filter. Now, when we look at it through its original context, most of those contradictions evaporate immediately. Whichever ones are left are easily explainable. I have yet to hear a supposed contradiction for which there is not a good answer. So the Bible is contradiction-free, and that's compelling evidence for its authenticity. 
Next, T in the FACTS acronym, the Bible is translated correctly. We also hear quite often the telephone game argument that we can't believe the Bible because it's been changed and we don't know what was originally written. Well, unfortunately, again for the skeptic, there's such a wealth of ancient manuscripts, thousands upon thousands of manuscripts in the Greek and translated from the Greek into other languages. In addition to that, we have all the quotations of early church fathers that corroborate what was originally written. Thousands of those quotations. If we removed every manuscript of the New Testament, we could reconstitute the New Testament all but except 11 verses just from those ancient witnesses quotes. This is incredible confirmation of the reliability of what was originally written and that we can know with a high degree of certainty what was originally written. So it's translated correctly. We've not lost the original meaning and context and words of Scripture, and we can know that our modern translations accurately reflect what was originally written. Most modern translations. There are a few that are obviously incorrect, like the Jehovah's Witnesses supposed translation, which is really just an elimination of all the verses that they didn't like to kind of prove their theological and incorrect perspective. All right, so the Bible is translated correctly. And finally, I believe that we can believe the Bible because of the science that's present throughout it. Now, the Bible is not a scientific textbook, but it makes scientific claims that there's no way that these could possibly come from human means if it was not inspired by God. Things like the first and second laws of thermodynamics, things like the expansion of the universe, things like radioactive decay. If you go to God Solution Show past shows and look at science and the Bible, you'll see more. But these scientific statements throughout scripture written thousands of years ago by fishermen and other people like that show us that these people were inspired by God and transcribed in his words, scientific statements that God as creator of the universe knew long before science confirmed them. Okay, so why do we reject worldviews other than Christianity? Well, we reject other religions because they are theologically incoherent, they make ambiguous truth claims, they lack evidence, and they lack power to change lives. And we reject evolution and materialistic naturalism because the transitionary evidence is lacking, the apparatus or mechanism is insufficient. Life doesn't come from non-life. The existence of information and design is inexplicable, naturally. And the start of the universe is as well. Why do we believe God exists? We believe God exists because the beginning of the universe from nothing a finite time ago points to a creator. We believe God exists because the engineering of the universe for life and the engineering of life itself points to a designer and creator. We believe God exists because standards and morality point to a moral lawgiver and enforcer. And we believe that God exists because the truth about Jesus shows us that God really did live and walk on this planet as Jesus Christ. Why do we believe in the Bible? Well, it foretells the future. It's archaeologically accurate. It's contradiction-free. It's translated correctly. And there are scientific statements throughout Scripture that show us God's fingerprints on his word. Well, that's the Tall Tales and Best Facts acronym. We reject Tall Tales and we believe Best Facts. I think if you memorize that, you'll do very good in your apologetical conversations. But most importantly, this ends with an exclamation point. This isn't just information to walk around and strut our stuff as Christians. It all points to the best fact of all, and that's that Jesus is God in human flesh and that 
He came and died on the cross and rose again to give you new life because God loves you so much. If you're at a point where you're ready to put your faith and trust in Christ, I would ask you to do that right now through prayer. You could express your faith in prayer saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are and that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again to give me new life and to give me eternal life as well. Please come into my life. Please be my Savior and my Lord. Well, if you took that step this morning, the Bible says that you've been adopted into his family, having put your faith and your trust in him, and you can look forward to a life of meaning and purpose on this planet and an eternity with him in heaven. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing the tall tales and best facts acronyms, and I hope that you'll commit them to memory. Again, go to GodSolutionShow.com and click the Best Facts tab for more information on the best facts. While you're there, go ahead and see some local churches that you could visit this weekend and definitely use the contact form to get in touch with me. I'd love to hear more about you. Thanks so much for listening. Tell your friends about the God Solution Show and help get the word out. I hope that you'll keep listening. Like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful afternoon. Happy fifth birthday to my sweet and precious Kara. I love you, sweet girl.